Let's jump into it. Go to 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. The last few weeks, we're going to close it today. We've been sharing how to effectively pray for your family and loved ones. How to effectively pray for your family and loved ones this is part three. So I encourage you to miss any of the previous parts. You can watch it on Faith Plus app or on YouTube. How to effectively pray for your family and loved ones. And so I wrote this down and I'm sharing it each week and it bears repeating. It says, when praying for family and loved ones, there's usually a lot of emotions involved, either because of your love and your care for them, your past with them, your familiarity, or other reasons. Although emotions are good in their proper place, we must make sure that our emotions are not the foundations of our prayers. We should not pray our emotions. We should pray the will of God. Now, prayer in the presence of God is a great place to pour out our emotions, but we're not praying our emotions. We want to pray the will of God. Why do we say that was so important? First John chapter 5, verse 13 says, These things have I written unto you that you believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. When we pray God's word, we pray God's will. God's word is his will. Go ahead and put that in the chat again. Say God's word is his will. Go ahead and put that in the chat. Say God's word is his will. And when we pray God's word, when we pray God's will, we can have confidence. What is that confidence? He hears us. And what does it mean because he hears us? We have an answer according to his word, an answer according to his will. So I gave you a number of questions to ask yourself to help you pray effectively for family and loved ones. Brief review. First question was, you have to ask yourself, are you praying his will or your will? You have to ask yourself, are you praying his will, God's will for the situation, or are you praying your will? If you're praying your emotions and your will, unless your emotions and will are lined up to God's plan, you will not see tremendous change. Confidence in prayer comes from praying his word and praying his will. Second question, you have to ask yourself, are you praying from a place of offense? Third question to ask yourself, have you limited your prayers by time? Fourth question to ask yourself, are your words contradicting your prayers? Fifth question to ask yourself, are you praying for their influencers, the family member, loved ones, influencers? Praying for those who have their ear? Are you praying for godly individuals to be able to speak into their lives and be sent across their path? Sixth question to ask yourself, is there a seed you're supposed to sow? Seventh question to ask yourself, are you fully covering the person in situation in prayer? And so we went to great detail answering these questions and showing you from the scriptures what you need to do. So I encourage you, if you missed these messages, to go back and look at them on the Faith Plus app or go on YouTube and watch it again. So go to 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18. We'll get to something new today. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18. Paul says, This charge I commit unto you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on you, that you by them might war a good warfare. Notice how he told Timothy to fight or to wage a good warfare according to the prophecies. Now, how do you wage warfare with the prophecy? Well, you write that down or you memorize that prophecy and then you say it when you pray. You say it when you make your confessions of the word. 
you don't just let that prophecy go by and say, oh, that was a good one, man, that encouraged me. No, you take it, you grab it, and you keep on saying it. You keep praying it out until it comes to pass. Now, we know this prophecy was not a prophecy of the scripture. It's not a prophecy of the end times. It's not a prophecy of this, that. It was a personal prophecy that was by the Spirit of God, not by someone else's you know, good intentions. The Holy Ghost spoke through men and women of God over Timothy's life. At that same time, as you studied out, there were gifts imparted into him. And there was a word spoken over his life. And Paul is reminding him and encouraging him, fight the good fight. Wage a good warfare with the prophecy that was spoken over your life. And so something I want to encourage you to pray effectively for loved ones and family members, pray the prophetic word over their life. Pray the prophetic word over their life. What do I mean by that? Example, what is the word of the Lord for the year? What are some of the things that God is speaking to you concerning this year? We know God has told us this will be a year of winning and victory. So when you're praying over loved ones and family members, you're saying what the Spirit of God is about this year. So Father, I pray for them that this year they'll experience great victory, that they'll win against anything that comes up against them. What are you doing? You're praying what the Holy Spirit said. You're praying according to his will. You're praying according to the utterance that he has released. You want to pray the prophetic word over their life. Also, what has God said to them? What has God said to you about them? I'm not saying you need to go tell them, like, this is what God told me about you. I'm not saying to do that. Only do that if God tells you to do that. But there's a lot of things God will tell you about a person when you're praying for them that is not for you to share with others or for you to share with them. It's a private conversation between you and God so that you can pray according to that manner. Sometimes to share things with you to prevent things from coming to pass in someone's life. Sometimes to share things with you to help things come to pass in someone's life. And so if God says something about them, you want to pray that concerning them. Next, what is he telling them about you? When you're praying in this place of prayer, when you're praying out things, you may hear some things in your spirit as you're praying for them. You want to pray that out. You want to play, oh, like I got, you know, I have my written prayer. I pray for them. I got the scriptures. Good. Listen to the spirit of God on the inside and pray out what he's telling you to pray. Pray that word continually over them. Pray that word continually over them. This is a part of the pray. Remember, we talked about last week and the week before, we got to get out of that phase of God bless and praying. Now, we really have to pray if we want to pray effective for our family and our loved ones. Now, concerning generational curses, because we said we're going to handle some of this in prayer today and see what the scripture actually says, because, you know, there's a lot of Christian pop culture about generational curses. But let's see from practical wisdom from the scripture, what the scripture says. Go with me to Proverbs chapter 26, verse two. Proverbs chapter 26, verse two. Proverbs chapter 26, verse two. It says, as the bird by wandering, as the swallow by flying, so the curse causeless shall not come. As the bird by wandering, as the swallow by flying, so the curse causeless shall not come or should not cause us to come to rest. So one of the things you have to ask yourself when talking about generational curses, because a lot of people call sub-generational curses actually not a generational curse. Some things are, some things are not. So you have to analyze it. Here's a question to ask yourself. Is it a curse, a pattern, or a harvest? Go ahead and put that in the chat. That's good. Say, is it a curse? Is it a pattern? Or is it a harvest? Three things you need to look at when concerning generational curses. 
Is it a curse? Is it a pattern? Or is it a harvest? Is it a curse? Is it a pattern? Or is it a harvest? Some things people call generational curses are the results of continually sowing the wrong seed and or imitating the wrong pattern. So let's talk about seeds. Go with me to Genesis 8, verse 22. Go with me to Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. Some things that people call generational curses are the results of continually sowing the wrong seed and or imitating the wrong pattern. Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. While the earth remains seed, time, and harvest, and coal and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. While the earth remains seed, time, and harvest, and cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. We know day and night is still here. We know summer and winter is still here. We know cold and heat is still here. Sometimes, you know, living in Georgia, we go through all of that in one day. So we also know seed time and harvest still exists. Even Jesus talked about when telling parables of the kingdom and the gospels, saying the whole kingdom of God works by seed time and harvest. That's how things work in this life. Seed time and harvest. Go ahead and put this in the chat. Say things work by seed time and harvest. Say things work by seed time and harvest. And so when we think about that, whatever you sow, you will reap. Paul even says in Galatians chapter six, talking more about finances there, but it's the principle still universally true. Whatever you sow, you will reap. So you have to look at what are you sowing? Some people call things generational curses, which are just harvest based off of seeds sown. So let me give you an example, simple example. You know, I don't like most cooked vegetables. But I hate with a great passion green beans. I hate it. I hate it. He's like, oh, you didn't have to draw my No, I don't even like the smell of it. I hate green beans. Now, what if I decided to have a garden and I planted, sounds disgusting to me, seeds for green beans. And I just went out there and I planted. And then I watered it every day. And then I cultivated that area. I protected it from weeds. I fertilized the area. did everything to get a good harvest of green beans. You would look at me side-eyed and crazy if I started complaining while I had a good green bean harvest. You would look at me and say, well, you planted those seeds. Did you, know, did you look at that pack? Did you see on that pack that it said green beans? Did you know that if you plant it and take care of it, that's what you're going to get? You would simply tell to me, if you don't like the harvest, change your seed, right? That's something put in the chat. It's so simple. Say, if you don't like the harvest, change the seed. Say, if you don't like the harvest, change the seed. And so in the same way, some people are having what they call generational curses when it's just harvest because they continually sow the wrong seed. And everything in this life, and even in the kingdom, works by seed time and harvest. So let's look at two examples of seed. One is food. A good example of seed is food. There are some families that have the same health condition over and over and over and over and over and over again. And people want to bind the devil concerning that. And it's not necessarily the devil. It's the food they eat. They all eat the same food. They all eat the same thing. 
And even by natural knowledge and science and studying out, it's, pro it's proven that eating this way all the time, not on special days, not on holidays, but eating this way all the time produces this type of disease or issue in the body. Yet they eat it all the time. And then they, they want to pray, Lord, I want you to bless this food to the nourishment of our body. There's no nourishment in that food, but you want to eat it all the time. That is a seed. You keep sowing the seed. You keep cultivating that seed. You keep watering that seed. And one day it shows up as a harvest in your body with the same disease that your entire family has fought. It has nothing to do with the devil. It has nothing to do with the generational curse. It is continually sowing this wrong seed as a family. And food is seed. Go ahead and put that in the chat. Say food is seed. Now we have the holidays coming up. We have Thanksgiving coming up. We have Christmas coming up. We even have, you know, our faith fest coming up for our kids. And we're going to get a whole lot of candy. And I'm sure the parents are going to help themselves with that candy. And while on certain days and holidays and seasons, it's good to have stuff, the sweets and everything. Even the Bible says, eat the fat, drink the sweet. But it's not something to do every day. Because if that is our diet every single day, we'll be unhealthy. There's wisdom and moderation and knowing what your body needs to succeed. But if you keep giving your body the wrong thing again and again and again and again and again, you can get the harvest you don't want. And you may call it a generational curse, but it's not a generational curse. It's a harvest. Food is a seed. If you didn't put it in that chat, even if it convicts you, go ahead and put that in the chat. Say food is a seed. Next thing about seed, words. Your words are seed. You know, you can say something so often that you believe it, whether it was a crazy thought at first or someone told you something you didn't believe, but you kept saying it again and again and again. Now you believe it. It's kind of imprinted on your soul. And that's just how you operate because you said it so often. Your words are seed. You know, Proverbs tells us life and death are in the power of the tongue. So what are you saying continually? Because those seeds do produce a harvest. I remember years ago, Dad Hagen shared the story and I heard it repeated recently that there was a number of decades ago, I believe Ram had already started, and there was a young man who was married to a wonderful person, and they, uh, they had just gotten married recently within the last couple of years, and they were serving God together, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the man just fell sick. And, you know, they didn't know what to do. The prognosis was really bad, and so, the, you know, the whole Ram campus, all the students got together, the church, they began to pray, they began to intercede, they began to pray, and Dad Hagen was on the platform praying, and he knelt by his chair, he was praying, and he was taking time to pray, hear from God, what are we going to do, you know, uh, what is the word for this, you know, what do we need to pray, you know, praying the will of God so this man can be healed and recovered. And the Lord spoke to him and said, spiritual laws that have been put in motion cannot be reversed at this time. Spiritual laws that have been put in motion cannot be reversed at this time. And so Dad Hagen stopped praying. Everybody else was still praying and interceding in supplication. And he just sat down because he knew what that meant. And of course, that wonderful spirit-filled, saved, loved God, young man, went home to be with the Lord. And so Dad Hagen didn't share what he heard that night. He just kept it in his heart. Now at that young man's home going, you know, some of his friends walked by, friends who maybe went to a grandma, friends who knew him pretty well. And they said, isn't this strange? They said, all his life, since he was a little boy, he said that he wouldn't live past whatever age it was when he died. 
And he had exactly what he said. Whatever reason, since he was about five years old around then, he kept saying again and again that he wouldn't live past this age. He wouldn't live past this age. And he never corrected it. He never stopped those words. He never spoke against it. And what did he get? A harvest off the seeds he sowed. Some things people call generational curses are not curses at all. They're just harvest from continually sowing the wrong seed. Seed can come in the form of words and food. So go ahead and put this in the chat. Say words are seeds. Go ahead and put that in the chat. Say words are seeds. So, so far we saw food as a seed. We see words are seeds. And so when it concerns seeds, number one, as you're praying for others, it's just a good practice to analyze your life. Analyze your life for these things. Are you sowing the wrong seeds with the food you eat on a regular basis? Are you sowing the wrong seeds with the words you speak on a regular basis? Analyze your life. Number two, pray that Ephesians 1 prayer, which you heard me go over in such detail in the first part of this series. Pray that Ephesians 1 prayer for your family and your loved ones concerning these areas. Concerning seeds and patterns and activities. Pray the Ephesians 1 prayer for your family and your loved ones concerning these areas. And number three, as seen in Ephesians 1 and Proverbs, continually pray for wisdom, understanding, and insight in these areas. So number one, analyze your life for these things. Number two, pray Ephesians 1 for your family and your loved ones concerning these areas. Number three, as seen in Ephesians 1 and Proverbs, continually pray for wisdom, understanding, and insight in these areas. Like we have coming up in our 21 days of prayer from November 1st to November 21st, that first thing on the list is praying for insight. Insight is important. So we talk about seed. Let's talk about patterns. Talk about seed. Let's talk about patterns. Because a lot of things people call generational curses are just harvest or patterns. And so, you know, there's an old story. I know some of you have heard me share it before and it bears repeating that there was a person, you know, a wife was cooking at home. She was cooking a pot roast and it's a family recipe that she's been cooking for years. And her husband happened to walk in and noticed that the wife was cutting off the end of the pot roast and just cut off the end and then threw it in the trash. And he said, babe, I always wondered, why do you cut off the end of the pot roast and throw it away? And she paused and thought, it's like, you know what? I don't know. That's what my mom always did. Let me call her. So she called her mom and said, mom, why do you always cut off the end of the pot roast? She's like, baby, I don't know why. Let's call grandma. Call grandma, grandma, why do you always cut off the end of the pot roast? You know what? I don't know. Big mama always cut off the end of the pot roast. Let's call her. So they all get on the phone and talk to big mama. Why did you cut off the end of the pot roast? And they said, because I didn't have a pot big enough for the roast. I didn't have enough money to buy a bigger pot, so I had to cut off the end of the pot roast so that it would fit in the container. But notice, all these generations kept cutting off the end of the pot roast because of what they saw. And patterns are created by continually do what you see. And so they saw it being cooked this way. They didn't know why. They understood why. They just kept doing the same thing again and again and again. And so unknowingly, what happened? It was a pattern of poverty that had been passed down. One generation at that time couldn't afford it. But they grew later. They didn't have to cut off the end of the pot roast. That same generation. But because that second generation saw it early, they began to cut off the end. And so did the third generation. And so did the fourth generation. Some things are just patterns. 
And so sometimes families see the same thing over and over again because of the patterns they continually copy. And I was looking through my notes and I was looking at a family series I did years ago and I wrote, if dysfunctional patterns are not corrected, they will be passed down to the next generation. Something good to put in the chat. If dysfunctional patterns are not corrected, they will be passed down to the next generation. If dysfunctional patterns are not corrected, they'll be passed down to the next generation. You know, even in the law, we see that the consequences of iniquity, perversity, and immoral behavior can be passed down to three or four generations. Notice there, it's not even just patterns. It is the consequence of those patterns and of those actions. It is harvest passed down three or four generations. So how do you deal with a pattern that's producing a lifestyle that looks like a generational curse? Romans chapter 12, verse two, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So what do you do? Don't conform, don't copy the pattern of the world. Get a new pattern, get in the word. See who you are in the word. See how you're supposed to live in the word. Then what do you do after that? Begin to imagine yourself living differently. Activate that imagination and begin to see yourself doing differently. Begin to watch others who are doing things differently. You know, the scriptures be followers of those who live by faith and patience. Follow their example. So watch how they do things. Put things before your eyes that is going to reinforce the new pattern. And imagine yourself doing what the scripture says. That's how you break the pattern, pass down a new pattern. You have to see something different. Now, well, what if it is a generational curse? or some type of force of darkness working through the family that is not caused by seeds or pattern, but just an all-out attack on the family. What do you do? First, you have to know Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Go with me. So what if it's just an all-out attack? The forces of darkness, demonic power at work. Generation, go to Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Notice what it says here. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. You need to know you are redeemed from the curse. Go ahead, put that in the chat. Say, I am redeemed from the curse. Put that in the chat and say it out loud. Say, I am redeemed from the curse. This even applies if you're a person that a consequence of somebody else in your generations. Their iniquity, the consequence of their iniquity is affecting your life. Although it may try to come on your life because of the spiritual laws they put in motion, you can say, I'm redeemed from the curse and I reject it. And if you reject it, if you resist it, it won't be able to hold on to your life. But as he said, you, you have to fight it. Now, I've said it before and it stands true. It may not be your fault, but it is your fight. It's not your fault that you have to deal with this. It's not your fault that the consequence of that iniquity is in your life. It is not your fault, but it is your fight. And if you don't want that consequence to reign in your life, you're going to have to reject it. And part of rejecting, you know, you were redeemed from the curse. It is not your fault. It is your fight. So fight the good fight of faith. And remember the word over you this year, this is your year of winning and victory. And one of the other things the Lord told us that long fought battles are going to end in victory this year. So strengthen yourself during this time. Things that have been trying to hang on, no, fight the good fight of faith. Wage a good warfare with the prophetic word. Stand strong and see the salvation of the Lord. You are redeemed. Say it again. Say, I am redeemed 
Go with me to Ephesians chapter 2. What do we do next? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. But God, who is rich or abundant in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sin, has quickened us together, made us alive with Christ. By grace are you saved, and has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Second thing you need to know, you're seated higher than Satan's attempts to continue the attack. You are seated higher than Satan's attempts to continue the attack. You are seated higher than Satan's attempts to continue the attack. You are been seated at the right hand of God in Christ Jesus, far above all things, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, every name that is named in this world and the world to come. Every authority, every power, everything Satan will try to bring against you, no matter how long has been working in your family's generations, Jesus seated you higher. You are higher than every curse. So you take every curse and you put it under your feet because of the authority that's been granted to you in the name of Jesus. So you need to know that you are redeemed and you've been seated higher. Say, I am redeemed and I'm seated with Christ. Say, I am redeemed and I'm seated with Christ. Number three, looking at Galatians chapter three again, remember, you have a new family. You have a new family. You can think, well, pastor, you know, all these other things have been running through my family so long, you know, I don't know if there's one good thing running through my family. Well, you became part of another family when you got born again. When you keep reading Galatians chapter three, it says, if you belong to Christ, then you are the seed of Abraham. And so guess what? The blessing of Abraham, you may not see any other generational blessing coming from your family, but you can start one because you're part of Abraham's family. And it says, if you're the seed of Abraham, you're blessed with faithful Abraham. So the thing is the blessing of Abraham belongs to you as much as it belongs to Isaac because you've been engrafted in because you made Jesus the Lord of your life. And so instead of passing down generational curses and participating with the consequences of iniquity from previous generations, you can stop that and say, no, I lay hold to the blessing. And from now on, we're not passing down generational curses. We're passing generational blessings because we are the seed of Abraham. So number three, remember you have a new family. You have a new family line. Yes, you're still part of that natural family. That didn't disappear. But you have a new family line that you can pull generational good things from because you're blessed with faithful Abraham. You know, I used this example years and years ago. I said, you know, I said, imagine if someone walked into the doctor's office and the doctor said, I pulled your poor and your family history. And I pulled your genealogy. And I saw thousands of years ago that by Jesus stripes, you are healed. And I said, imagine if you're sitting down and it says, you know what, guess else what we found out. We looked and we saw that you have a great, 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 great grandfather. And he was exceedingly rich and he left you an inheritance. It's called the blessing of the Lord and the blessing of the Lord and maketh rich. The blessing of Abraham belongs to you. When you got born again, you came into a new family line, setting you up to receive generational blessings. Yes, there may be some generational things that you have to fight off. You fight it and you lay hold to the blessing and you make sure from you on generational blessings go forward, not generational curses and not the consequences of iniquity. Make sure you set the right patterns. Make sure you sow the right seeds so that those who come after you are better off than you were. Not saying, well, they need to start where I was. They need to struggle like me. No, stop having that curse mentality that you want everyone else to struggle the way you struggle. No, those who come after you should stand on your shoulders so they can go higher and go farther and accomplish more. Colossians chapter 4 verse 2.
Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. What do we mean by that? What do we mean by watch? Like a watchman standing on guard, standing on the wall, standing on their post, like a security guard watching for anyone trying to break in. That one of the things you're going to have to do if you want to pray effectively for loved ones in this area, pray effectively for family members in this area, you're watching to pray over lives to know how you respond to things in prayer. It can be proactive as well as can it be reactive while you're watching in prayer. And if you see the enemy try to rise this area up again, something you, you as a family may have defeated for a long time. It hasn't even showed up as head 15 years, 20 years, but all of a sudden it begins to rise up again. You go to prayer saying, nope, not, no, we stopped that a long time ago. We will not let that back in. See, the enemy always tries to go back to where he worked before. He prefers doing the same tactics again and again from generation to generation. Then he won't have to come up with anything new. He's not creative. He tries to do the same thing again and again. And Jesus even talks about how if a demon is driven out of a person or leaves a person after the person's got their life together, comes back with seven devils worse than that to try to inhabit the same place. Demons are territorial. They want to work with the same family. They want to work with the same person. So if one person couldn't successfully fight off that demon and they died, they're looking for the person who is the most like them, not in appearances, but the most like them in thoughts and in actions so they can continue their work to the next generation. But one of the things you can stop in prayer is watch for those things to rise up. And when the thing begins to rise up, you strike it down in prayer using your authority, using the name of Jesus, seeking the spirit of God's wisdom and guidance on how to handle it in prayer. You see it rise up, say, no, 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 that's not going to happen. I bind that in the name of Jesus. Now, Holy Ghost, what should I say about this? What should I pray about this? How should I handle this? What is that actively doing? Resisting. It's James 4, 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God. That's why you're getting a new pattern. That's why you're sowing the right seeds. That's why you're identifying as a believer in Christ Jesus. You're submitting yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. You have to be active in your resistance in this area if you want to pray effectively for family members and loved ones. Resist. Don't give the enemy an inch. Oh, well, that's not that bad. You know, there, there can be worse. Nope, nope, don't give him an inch. The old saying, if you give the devil an inch, he'll take a country mile. Don't give him an inch. Resist. Don't give him anything. Matthew chapter 16, verse 19. And I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. You need to bind the enemy's tactics in your families and over loved ones. Bind means to restrict the enemy's capabilities through the use of the authority, and through consistent prayer. And so when you see something right, say, nope, nope, I bind you in the name of Jesus. Nope, you can't do that. Nope, nope, we're not going to let this happen. And then you seek the Holy Spirit's instruction how to pray effectively for that so that thing goes back down again. You're watching over your family. Now, the thing is, it doesn't mean you need to go tell your family member about it. If the Lord tells you to, then you do that. There are a number of things you can handle in prayer and never speak of in public. You don't have to share everything in public. Maybe years later, you share it as a testimony. Or when someone asks you, how does their family operate this? You share that testimony. But just because you handle something in prayer doesn't mean you need to post it on social media or tell other people about it. There are some things that you need to handle behind the scenes and not share with anyone unless the Lord tells you to. Next, remember to watch in the same with Thanksgiving. Remember he said watch in the same with Thanksgiving. So watch and pray, but also watch and praise. Watch and pray. And watch and praise. Go ahead and put that in the chat. Say, watch and pray and watch and praise. Put that in the chat. Say, watch and pray and watch and praise. Watch and pray 
and watch and praise. Why? Praise is important. Thank God for your family. Thank God for how far your family's come. Thank God for the victories your family has seen. Praise God for your family members. Thank God for your family members. Why? Psalm 8-2 from the NIV says, Through praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. 2 Chronicles 20, verse 22, it says, And when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which will come against Judah, and they were smitten. When the children of Judah began to praise, when they began to thank God, the Lord was able to move against the enemy and set ambushments against them. Through praise, a stronghold set up against your enemy. So watch and pray. Handle things in prayer, but also watch and praise. Thank God for the victory. Strongholds will be set in defense for your family. Ambushments will be set against the enemy trying to further generational curses in your family. So make sure you're sowing the right seeds. Make sure you're living the right pattern. So sometimes you just got to make better decisions. And if it's in an area of your family that your family's consistently tempted in, then you don't let yourself go to those places. You don't even get close to the line. Not saying, well, how close can I get to the line without falling to the family shop? No, you stay far away from that line. Sow the right seeds. Live the right pattern. Watch and pray and praise. Use your authority. Resist and bind. Remember, you are redeemed from the curse. Remember, you are seated higher than the curse. And remember, you've been given at granted access to a new family line. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, Father, we thank you for the word. We thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you that we have the victory because of your word. Now, Father, help us not just be hearers of this word, but to be doers of this word so we be blessed in our doing. Grant us insight so that we can change seeds we need to change. And Father, I pray, we've been sowing the wrong seeds, I pray for a crop failure. Forgive us for the wrong seeds and help us to sow the right ones. Father, show us new patterns, things we've been just doing because of what we saw growing up. Show us what we need to change so we can set a better example for those who come after us and also change our lives as well. Grant us insight and prayer concerning stopping the plan of the enemy to disrupt and to destroy our families. Show us how to more effectively pray in this area. We plead the blood of Jesus over every single family that is watching and connected and represented. We proclaim the victory of the Lord over every single family. We pray for, I pray for an overturning of the plans of darkness. Satan, I bind you in the name of Jesus. I command you to cease and desist from your maneuvers. You will not be effective in continuing generational curses and generational plans of darkness. We call you defeated. We call you to get back under the feet of the children of God. Now, Father, continue to send revelation along this line. Send words along this line. Grant insight along this line so we won't cooperate with the kingdom of darkness, but cooperate with the kingdom of light and walk in the blessing of Abraham. Holy Spirit, I pray for the peace of God that passes all understanding to guard hearts and minds right now. So even as they go to sleep tonight, they'll have sweet sleep knowing they have the victory. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.